consumers, and that means that we're constantly uh, barraged with information, we're constantly, uh, our attention is drawn to all kinds of other things, but very rarely do we just take life. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have internet. He didn't have electricity. He didn't have TV. He didn't have a radio. What did he do with all his time? You know what he did? He sat and he thought. He studied the Word of God, what he had. Psalm 119, he loved the Word of God. He spent hours in it. He would spend time just digesting and thinking about the Word of God. And, uh, and so uh, I know there's good things about electricity, for example, air conditioning and heat, okay? I get that. I'm not advocating that we, uh, that we get rid of all of those things, but it is good to unplug from all of those things and just take time to purge our minds and to think about God and think about life. And so David reasons within himself. Look at what he says. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart. In other words, I was thinking about the transgressions of the wicked. I was thinking about all that they do. I was thinking about their life. And these are the conclusions that he draws. In verse number one, he says this, that there is no fear of God before his eyes. He's talking about the wicked. And the, the fact that uh, they live their life uh, as though God is absent and does not exist. And to be honest with you, that's true today. You can see that. Uh, the way man lives and the way man uh, thinks, hey, you know, like there's no God and uh, they make no effort. Many people say, well, I believe in God, but they make no effort to find out what is right and what is wrong. Or what God thinks of this or what God thinks of that. They make no effort whatsoever uh, to try and, uh, when they do know things are wrong, they make no effort to conceal their sin or try not to do their sin. They just live their life as though God is ignorant or absent or not around whatsoever. And they live in their sin. They commit their sin openly. Matter of fact, uh, it goes a step further that, uh, that really uh, they, I mean, think about this. It's become a huge problem, at least I think so. Uh, probably most society doesn't think so. But, but using the Lord's name in vain. It used to not be, uh, and I'm talking when I was a teenager, uh, it was not that common. Matter of fact, they didn't allow it. And, and there was all these things. Now, man, it's commonplace. I mean, people don't, even, people don't think anything of using the Lord's name. It's like a slap in his face, like he's not paying attention. Uh, I was driving the other day right here in Maslin, and I saw written on the back of the windshield, the back window, rather, of the vehicle, it said, where is your God, question mark. And, and I, I gather from all the other many, many stickers they had on the back that it wasn't asking because it really, it was like, it was like I'm living my life in wickedness and God does not exist. It was like a slap in the face. And so David comes to the conclusion that, hey, there is no fear of God before the wicked's eyes. Um, is it coincidental? That it's not coincidental that this is Pride Month. 
and, and listen, that's like a slap in the face to God. Hey, I'm living my life in absolute rebellion to the Word of God and to how God designed me, and on top of that, I'm proud of it. And I want everyone to know. And it's like they're living their life uh, with, as David says, with no fear of God, as though God is absent. Look at verse number two. Not only, do, not only is there the absence of God in their life and in their mind, but notice in verse number two, for he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. And so it starts kind of in the heart of, hey, you know, I can do all of this and, and God's not around. And then the next thing uh, that, that comes out is this arrogance. Uh, and he thinks highly of himself. Uh, you, you'll know this verse in Judges 17, 6. The Bible says, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And that shows up several times throughout the book of Judges. And, uh, and, and I had this thought, uh, you know, when the king is dethroned, there's no law and there's no order. That was true throughout the book of Judges. But listen, that's true in, in society when they dethrone God and move him to the side and pretend like he does not exist and like, uh, like he is not there, then they've removed all authority and they themselves puff themselves up to be the authority. And we find that that's exactly what's going on. And they'll do what is right in their own eyes. And this is, this is the conclusion that David's coming to. He's like, it's like they're living their life absent of God. There's no fear of God. And then they arrogantly take the throne themselves. And he says, for he flattereth himself in his own eyes. Well, I, look how wise I am. I can do this and I can do that. And, and, and in his own wisdom... He figures all this stuff out. This is the wicked man. And uh, not just that, but notice the second part. Until his iniquity be found to be hateful. Boy, I mean, uh, he, he just goes to the, the, the far extreme that he can go to. And, uh, and we see that. Look at verse number three. Not only do we see the absence of God in their lives, the arrogance of puffing themselves up or flattering themselves with their own eyes uh, and thinking themselves wise, uh, but verse number three, the words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left, he hath left off to be wise and to do good. Not only his absence of God is arrogance, but his atrocious words. Uh, iniquity and deceitful. Uh, listen, uh, the things that, 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 that I'm just telling you that this world is full of iniquity. Iniquity is sin. It's transgression against God. And, and, and it's just, it's commonplace. And listen, lest we should think, oh, it's, it's only here. Listen, I lived in, I lived in a third world country and, uh, and perversity is there as well. Wickedness and iniquity abound around the world. And so it's not just here, it's all wicked, and the words of their mouth are iniquity and deceit. In other words, hey, they're not going to talk the truth. They're going to uh, say one thing and do another. I mean, they're, they're, they're atrocious words. 
Um, the Bible says this, and there's a bunch of verses you could put with those two verses, verse 2 and 3. But understand this, the Bible says in Proverbs 26, 12, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit, there is more hope of a fool than of him. Somebody who puffs themselves up, they flatter themselves with their own wisdom, and then they, uh, they lie and deceive. Uh, the Bible says, hey, there, there's more hope of a fool than of somebody who's uh, surfing their own wave and think they're doing well. Notice in verse number four, we see uh, his actions of evil. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. And if he's not abhorring evil, then I tell you what, he's, heading, he's headed headlong down the path of wickedness. And so David is, is reasoning all these. He's looking, he's just observing the life of the wicked. And he says they live absent of God, they're arrogant, they're atrocious words, and their actions are completely evil. That's his conclusion that he comes to about the wicked people. And, uh, and as he's, uh, we can assume as he's reasoning about the wicked people, the next thought that comes to his mind is that of God. And this is where the chapter gets really good. Verses 5 down through 9 is the reality of God's goodness. In verses 1 through 4, we see the reasonings of the wicked. Notice in verse 5, he says, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth under the clouds. He's talking about some attributes of God. One is mercy. Uh, and, and he says, boy, the mercy of God is lofty. Uh, it's in the heavens. It is far over our head. And man, how, how great are God's mercies. I tell you what, I'm grateful for God's mercies. God's mercy is not getting what you deserve. In other words, uh, for our sin, because the Bible says for the wages of sin is death, for our sin, uh, we deserve to be punished. But the fact of the matter is that, that God extends mercy to us, and we ought to be grateful for that. And we find the mercy of God. It's lofty. It's all the way up to the heavens. Um, notice here as well in Psalm uh, 36 and verse 5 in our text, he says here, not just mercy, but thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Listen, faithfulness is important. You know what faithfulness is? I looked it up because I thought we know faithfulness is being faithful, but, but how would we define that? It's being loyal, steadfast, and unfailing. And what I'm glad about this is that mercy and, and faithfulness are coupled together. They're lofty. The, the mercy is in the heavens, the Bible says, and, uh, and his faithfulness is in the clouds. It's lofty. It's high. It's, it's farther than you and I can reach. And mercy and faithfulness go together because, listen, I can be merciful today and then tomorrow turn around and be a tyrant and not have to be merciful. But God is merciful and faithful. Praise the Lord for that. Because listen, I need God's mercy every day, not just today. 
Uh, and so we see God's mercy and his faithfulness in, in verse number five is coupled together. And, uh, and we were looking at the reality of God's goodness as, he, as David starts to contemplate how good God is. And we see his mercy and his faithfulness. Look at verse number six. He says, thy righteousness is like the great mountain. Mountains also have great heights. I, uh, I enjoyed it. I lived in the mountains uh, in Peru, South America, and I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and then I lived in, as we lived in Italy, uh, I lived close to the beach. And I tell you what, I will take the mountains any day. That's just me. I did not like the humidity. I did not like the sand. It was everywhere. Man, take me to the mountains. That's just personal preference. But, uh, but if you stand next to a, we don't have any mountains in Ohio, okay? Uh, all we have is nice rolling hills. That's all we have. Even if you go down to uh, um, that place down in southwestern Ohio, uh, it's pretty, but it's not mountains. When you stand next to a mountain, man, they are enormous. I mean, they are there. You look up and you're like, wow. And it's amazing. We, we, in Peru, we lived, you had to climb to 13,000 foot and then drop down into our valley. And we lived at about 9,000 foot. And, and so even in our valley, we did not see the height of the mountain because we already had a 9,000 foot advantage where we lived. And so it was only another 13, um, you can do the math, you figure that out, 4,000 feet higher, I guess it would be. Uh, but, but that was high enough. But and, and we climb just some of those little area, the little hills really around us. But when you stand next to a mountain, you're like, man, that's huge. And you find that the righteousness of God is not only large, but it's unmovable. David's comparing it. He's saying, hey, God's righteousness is not going to change. You, you're, you're not going to go push that mountain over. You're not going to go dig in the side of that mountain and have it fall over. Uh, not a true mountain. And so uh, David is just comparison. He's, tra he's trying to give us an illustration. And he says, thy righteousness is like the great mountains. And, uh, and I'm reminded of how when we stand next to a mountain, man, we are minuscule compared to that mountain. And, and as I thought about that, I thought, listen, at our very best, at the the greatest amount of righteousness, you think of the most righteous person that you can think of, and he does not compare to God's mountain of righteousness. Matter of fact, the Bible says it this way. It says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And the greatest that we can muster, the greatest that we can pull together fails in comparison, pales in comparison to how good God is. We see his righteousness is compared uh, to a mountain. Um, not only that, but I want you to notice his depth, or his judgment rather. In verse number six, thy judgments are a great Deep. He doesn't give us a, uh, an analogy. Uh, he doesn't tell a, a, a physical object, rather, but rather just the, the depth. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was looking up for the deepest part of the ocean uh, for another message. And, and, uh, and I remember this, that in that depth, hey, we've never been down to the deepest part. 
And, and what, what I'm saying is this, he's comparing God's judgments to depth that we don't understand or know anything about. And the depths of the earth, and, and what I'm saying is this, that listen, uh, God's judgment, the depth of God's judgment is beyond our understanding. The Bible says it this way in Isaiah 55, 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We're going through the book of Revelation on, on Sunday nights, and, and in that we see, boy, just the, uh, the wrath of God that is being unleashed upon the earth. And, and sometimes we would look at that and we'd say, man, that is, that is crazy. Uh, and we may be tempted as people to say, boy, is that a little harsh? But listen, God's judgments are coupled with His righteousness. And God's judgments are are never wrong whether we understand them or not. Because His judgments are deep. And we don't always understand all the things that take place. Uh, and, and I can tell you in my own life, there's things that happen sometimes. And I don't always understand why they happen or what takes place. And so I'm just telling you, he's exploring uh, and he's rationalizing and, and realizing the, the goodness of God in this chapter. He reasons about the wicked and, and the, their, their path. And then he talks about God's righteousness. Notice this in verse number six. I love this. He says... Uh, verse number seven, excuse me. Uh, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. No, at the end of verse number six, I missed that phrase. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. Now, I love this verse. I love this phrase. And here's why. Because God cares about you and I. That's obvious. That's evident throughout Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. So we know that God loves man. We understand that. And I'm grateful. But David, even in the Old Testament, recognized that, hey, God preserves man and holds man up. And God is the one that, that keeps man there. But listen, it's not just man that God is concerned about. But it's even the beasts of the field. And he says there, uh, he says in verse number six at the end, uh, O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. You know, in the New Testament, it says that not even a sparrow falls, that God doesn't take note of that. I say, thank the Lord for that. And if God cares for the sparrow that much, how much greater is his love for us? How much more does he care about us? I remember when I was young, and um, I, my dad had gotten us a BB gun. And uh, boy, we, we, and he was teaching us how to shoot. And, and we got out there, man, we had our little targets and we were shooting. And, and, and it really, after, after you practice so much and you're just hitting bullseye, 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 I'll be honest with you, it got a little boring. And so my brother and I, there are always two. And when there's two, there's usually trouble. And, and so... Then we started saying, well, can you hit this and can you hit that? And, and eventually it boiled down to shooting birds off of the trees. And um, my dad, when he found the dead birds in the, in the backyard, he was not happy. Matter of fact, he said, if I find another bird in the backyard, you're going to cook it up and you're going to eat it. 
You don't kill birds for no reason. They taught us to respect wildlife and, 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 and those things. And, and listen, the truth of the matter is that not one sparrow even falls that God does not take note of. And God cares about the animals. And it's throughout the Bible uh, that, that God is, is concerned about those things. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating uh, animals. The Bible tells us that. And there's, there's certainly uh, that throughout Scripture. I'm not saying to go wild on the whole uh, preserve the animals. But I'm just telling you that God preserves the beast. God cares about man. Look at verse number 7. We see the loving kindness of God. The Bible says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. That first phrase, How excellent is thy loving kindness. I'll be honest with you. I do not understand the cruelty of people. I just don't. I read, like you, I read the news, and, uh, and I just cannot even fathom what drives people to do the things that they do. It's just beyond me. Uh, I can't even fathom when I hear stories of how uh, some kids treat other children, and it's just beyond me, and I don't understand that. Uh, I don't understand the cruelty that's often displayed, but I tell you this, the Bible says in verse number 7 that our God, that David describes him as loving kindness. Thank God for that. Because that means he loves you and I, and he displays kindness to us. And, uh, and he says in verse number 7, he said, that's the reason that men trust in God. He says right in the, in the middle of the verse, therefore the children of men put their trust, uh, therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. In other words, hey, they trust in God. Why? Because he is loving and he is kind. And I know that there are many religions and I know there are many people that think, well, God is just a God of judgment that's sitting in heaven, just waiting to send a lightning rod uh, to, to zap all the people that disobey. Uh, but in reality, God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to this world to die on the cross of the Calvary. Why? So that you and I could be saved. That's how loving and kind our God is to us. And we see the loving kindness of God go on because in verse number 8, I love this, it gets better. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Oh, that God would take care of us, he says, and that God, uh, that we would be satisfied. Boy, you can mark that down. A true satisfaction only comes from God. You know, the majority of the people in this world are seeking satisfaction. They seek it in drugs. They seek it in pleasure. They seek it in money. They seek it in alcohol. They seek it in everything under the sun. And they turn up empty almost every single time. And they're saying, there's no satisfaction in this world. No, there's not. It's in God. And that's the only place that you'll find it. The Bible says in verse 8, they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Look at verse number 8. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy 
pleasures. Oh, listen, the world offer, offers a lot of pleasure, but all the pleasures that come from the world are usually tied with regret. They're, they're tied with remorse. They're tied with a price tag that is far, far outpriced for what you get. And, and in the end of it, you'll say, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. But God offers pleasure that's true pleasure. It's not tied to anything. And listen, uh, he goes on in verse 9, as we're looking at the goodness of God, not only do we see the, uh, the, the satisfaction and the pleasure, but notice in verse number, verse number 9, for with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. This verse is uh, interesting. I love the way it's worded. With thee is the fountain of life. I read that and I thought, you know, everyone's looking for the fountain of youth. What's that about? It's about perpetuating life. That's all it is. It's about staying young and being young for eternity and never growing old. Well, I think we already found that. It's right here. Oh, we'll grow old here on this earth. Yes, I'm not denying that. But I tell you what, when we go to heaven, the Bible is very clear. We get a new body. Uh, we get a glorified body. And Jesus Christ and God is the giver of life. There is no life outside of God. All, the, all those who do not have God or do not put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, hey, they don't have life to look forward to. Matter of fact, the Bible says they have death to look forward to because the wages of sin is death, and nobody's paid for that death. Uh, they've never accepted the payment for that death. But Jesus Christ paid the, the, the price of death on the cross of Calvary so that you and I can have life and it's a fountain of life praise the Lord for that not only that but look at the second part I, I find this interesting in thy light we shall see light I, I take that to mean that in God's word which is light we'll see more light we'll get more illumination, we'll get more understanding. The, the psalmist in, in Psalm 119 says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And, and listen, you read through the Bible and, and you read through and there's times that, hey, something becomes real to you and, and it's, sometimes it's things in your life and it just speaks to you at that moment, at that situation. You're saying, man, I, I never saw that before. And you see light in the light of the Word of God, and it helps illuminate our path. We see life, and we see light, we see satisfaction, we see pleasure, we see loving kindness, we see uh, all these things of God, righteousness and judgment, and God's concern for man and beast, and His mercies, and His faithfulness. And I tell you what, God is just so good, and so many attributes are just described for us. As David contemplates all of this, he's thinking about this. Notice this in verse number 10, he makes a request of God. And he says in verse number 10, O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. He's saying, listen, God, we need your continued righteousness and Loving kindness. Don't let it end. 
We need it every day. We need God's righteousness. We need God's loving kindness in our life. And listen, that's the truth of the matter. We see his request saying, hey, uh, please continue that. We couldn't make it without God's uh, righteousness and without his loving kindness in, in our life. Look at verse number 11. Let not the foot of pride come against me. found that fascinating. And I read that and I thought, at first I thought, well, that prideful people would come and get him. But then I realized he was almost talking about himself and, and don't let my foot of pride. In other words, read it again with me. He says, uh, he says, let not the foot of pride come against me. Almost as if pride could creep up in his own life. And listen, the truth of the matter is every one of us are susceptible to becoming proud, to becoming arrogant, to becoming, well, you know, man, I'm, I'm at church on Sunday morning, I'm at church at Sunday night, and I'm at church on Wednesday night, and boy, I, you know, I just, I've arrived, and I'm doing good. Oh, no, no. You better be careful that the foot of pride doesn't come up in your life, and that it doesn't cause you problems because, boy, it, it certainly most can destroy you. So he gives a warning. He said, he's, he's asking, it's his request of God, let not the foot of pride come against me. Then he goes on and he says, so he's worried about himself. And then he says, let not the hand of the wicked remove me. In other words, he's worried about outside as well. That the outside would uh, would destroy him or influence him or uh, physically attack him. And, and so he's asking, he's requesting, number one in, in verse 10, God continue with your righteousness and your loving kindness. But then two, he's saying in verse number 11, cover me or cushion me or protect me from uh, the, the influences of myself and the influences of this world that would sway me in the wrong direction. Verse number 12, he, we get down there and we find, he says this, There are the workers of iniquity fallen. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. I look at that and I think that's more of a, uh, perhaps God revealed to, to David, hey, that at some point all the wicked shall be cast down. They'll be condemned. And it says there at the last words, uh, and shall not be able to rise. We read about the lake of fire in the book of Revelation. And that, uh, uh, listen, they're, they're, where the smoke ascends forever and they'll never get out of there. And, and perhaps David was given the opportunity to understand that there's an eternal condemnation for that of the lost. And we understand that, we realize that with the New Testament but as we think about this, David was happy in all the service of the king. Talk about the reasons to serve him. Serve him because of his, uh, his mercy, his faithfulness, his righteousness, uh, his judgments, uh, his loving kindness, um, his satisfaction, the pleasures uh, that he gives, the light, the life, and thy loving kindness, all those things that God blesses us with. And I tell you what, we say, thank God for how good God truly is to us. And we ought to be happy. We ought to be grateful in the service 
of the king. You can open up the, your Bible and turn to Psalm 36 anytime and say, man, God truly is so good to us. God truly does bless us. God does take care of us. And we ought to be grateful for what God does to us. We stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for, God, truly your loving kindness, your mercy, your faithfulness. Oh God, that just the, just the mere fact that you never fail us. We fail you, but you do not fail us. God, that you're so loving and truly you're so kind to us. God, I pray that you would help us to see and realize that. Help us to understand true satisfaction in you, true pleasure, true joy in you. God, how good truly you are to us. I pray, Father, that you'd help us to see you for who you truly are and how good you are to us. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, I ask all these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God spoke unto your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to thank him for his loving kindness. Maybe you want to thank him for his faithfulness, his loyalness. Maybe you want to thank him for his goodness to you, his mercy. invitation to a close. You can be seated. And uh, Mike and David, could you help me out really quick? If you do not have a, if you can go back and I think there's some more prayer lists on the back table. If you do not have a June prayer list, just raise your hand. I think most people should have one, but maybe you didn't get one or, or maybe you misplaced it or whatnot. So just raise your hand and these fellows will help get you a June prayer list. Just raise your hand and keep it up um, so that so that they know that you, you need one and they'll be sure to get you one. Um, Give them a second to do that. I mentioned uh, during our offertory time uh, to, we got one down front here too, David, um, to continue to pray for our teens at camp. And uh, think camp is going well, so continue to pray for them. Uh, pray for the preacher. Uh, pray for the teenagers. 
and uh, that obviously they'd be safe, number one, but number two, that, that uh, the Lord would just move and work in their hearts, and uh, that'll be good. So pray for them. I'll tell you this, on uh, Monday they departed out of here and got about an hour and a half away, and then Rebecca, they, they called me, Preston called me, and uh, had a small issue with the van, and rather than continue all the way with that van, uh, I drove the other van up, and we swapped them out to that van and, uh, and sent them down the road with our, our other van. And, uh, and so our other van, I brought it back, and, and, sent, and it's in the shop, so pray for that. Um, it wasn't super bad, I don't believe. I ran, ran fine all the way back, but there was a lot of warning things, and so rather than have them get far up in Michigan, have a problem, uh, we just opted for that. So pray for that as well. Uh, that we'll be able to get that situated. Um, so there's a two prayer requests, I guess. All right. Has anybody got a praise? They want to praise the Lord for something? Any praise? Yes. Amen. 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 Good, good. Praise the Lord. We're able to get that done. That's good. Any other, anyone else want to share a praise? They had a blessing in their life. Something. All right. Also, continue to pray for those who are traveling in a way. I know several are away on vacation and traveling. Keep them in prayer. Um, any prayer requests? Let's start. I want to start on this side and go. We'll, we'll get to you guys in a moment. So anybody, any prayer requests on this side? Yes, Lana. Uh-huh. All right. Thursday, you said? Okay. Lana, physical need. Um, so keep her in prayer. She's having a test on Thursday. So, All right. Yes, Helena. Okay. Okay. Pray for Chrissy and her baby. She'll be having this baby any time, really, then. She's starting labor. Um, pray that all goes well uh, in that situation. All right. Chrissy all right, is her name. So. All right. Any others? Yes, Kathy. Okay. Okay. So pray for Bonnie Roars. Was it her niece and her cousin? Her niece and her brother. Physical need. Um, and then for Kathy's mom for physical need too. All right. Any others? Prayer requests? Moving to this side. Yes, Brother Tannis. All right. 
All right. Praise the Lord for the opportunity and prayer that God will use you and speak through you. Amen. Good. All right. Any others? All right. Good. We have everything on the on the front as well. And um, so let's take this time. And uh, we usually have just a few moments of prayer and uh, and have special piano music uh, during that time. And then Brother uh, Brother Chuck Hamby will close us out in prayer. And uh, and so I'd encourage you, you can pray right there in your seat. If you're more comfortable coming to the altar, you're welcome to pray here at the altar. Uh, pray with your family. If you want to pray with somebody else, you're welcome to pray with somebody else. Um, but um, let's spend a couple minutes in prayer here. And then uh, after that, Brother Chuck.